All right. All right. Let's get into our message this morning. This part, part two, is entitled, He Taught Us to Pray. And Jesus himself taught us how to pray and actually has quite a lot to say about the subject of prayer. Now, last week, I spoke to you about why we should pray. And we covered seven things in particular, reasons why we should pray. We looked at that quite uh, in depth last week. Those are most certainly not the exclusive reasons. There are many other reasons to pray. But we had a look at that last week. I really feel it's important for us to take note when it comes to what Jesus has to say about prayer. And there are a few things that he teaches us concerning prayer. One, he teaches us how to pray, but he also says a few things about prayer that I think we should definitely take note of. So let's start this morning in Luke 18, verse number one. Luke 18, verse number one. Then he spoke a parable to them, this is Jesus, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I want you to see here that Jesus is trying to teach us something. First of all, that we should always pray. So prayer is something that we should make a lifestyle and we should not lose heart. I think he's saying this to us. I believe he's saying this to us because in our journey as Christians, we still experience life. And life has its challenges, its trials, tribulations. In fact, the Bible tells us that in this life, you will have trouble, trouble, tribulations. These things are going to be part of your journey, part of your walk with God. You're going to experience these things. And he's saying, listen, I want you to constantly be in prayer. Always pray and don't lose heart. No matter what comes your way, the place that you're going to get through it all, the place that's going to strengthen you is going to be your prayer life. Now, when he says always pray, I don't believe that he's saying here that you must, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, be praying all the time. You have to go to, jo- to work. You have to do your job. You have to spend time with your family. And when you're doing a lot of things, you, you're not going to be praying. You know, I shared with the first crowd, when I have a fight with my wife, which is very rare, very rare, I'm not praying in that moment. Let's be honest. You can't always be in prayer. In fact, when we argue, she'll tell me, go and pray. And, and, and I'll say to her, I don't want to pray right now. Because I know if I go and pray, then I have to be nice. And I don't want to be nice right now. You know, so this is how it is. You know, life happens and you have to live your life. So you're not always going to be in prayer. That doesn't mean that you can't be conscious of God the whole time, mindful of the things of God during your day. And as you're going through the day, you can most certainly be speaking to the Lord or asking him something, discussing something with him. I, I, I feel like my relationship with God is kind of like that. I'm always, you know, talking to the Lord. In fact, my family often says to me, I'll often just say, Jesus. And they'll look at me and go like, what is it? And I'm like, I'm just talking to the Lord, you know. And, and that's real. You can ask them. They'll, they'll tell you. I do that a lot. You know, I'll say, you know, Lord or Jesus. I'm just busy speaking to him. And I'm not using his name in vain. You know, maybe we should talk a little bit about that this morning. Maybe we'll keep that for next time. Let me give you some advice. Don't do that, okay? When you speak to the Lord, please speak to Him because you actually have something to say. All right? You know, so I'm I'm speaking to Him constantly, but I really believe when it says pray always, it means that you should have a lifestyle of prayer, a relationship with God. I truly believe that one of the primary things that Jesus wanted to teach us when it comes to prayer 
is that it should become a lifestyle of relationship. He wanted to model relationship with the Father to us. And I believe that he does that so beautifully. But he also says something here that's powerful. He says, verse 2, saying there was a certain city, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, so Jesus said here, hear what the unjust said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? He's saying here, yeah, listen, you must pray, you must seek the Lord, and you must do it constantly. You must come before him constantly. And like an unjust judge will eventually hear what the person has to say, how much more will your heavenly Father hear what you have to say? And then he goes on and he speaks here about will, will the Father find faith on the earth? In other words, listen, coming before God and asking Him something on a regular basis or coming to Him and speaking to Him, seeking Him concerning something actually requires faith. And is He going to find that on the earth? We understand that we should do these things, but are we going to actually follow through and do it? Let's take a look at another example. Luke 11, verse 5. Luke 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise to give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, everybody say persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receive and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. This is an incredible example of teaching us the importance of persistence. In other words, persistence, relationship, every, time, every day, constant fellowship, pray always. Jesus is trying to teach us that there is a reward for those who ask, those who knock, those who seek. If you are somebody that comes before God on a regular basis, makes a, a commitment, a desire, a decision to be consistent in your prayer life, you must understand that He's saying to us that you will be heard and you will be answered. Are you going to be persistent? Are you going to be the person that knocks? Are you going to be the person that asks? Are you going to be the person that seeks? 
Jesus is saying, listen, this is what God is looking for on the earth. Is he going to find someone that has this type of faith that will continue to come before the Father on this regular basis? Every morning when my eyes are not even open yet, almost every single day I'll be lying in bed and obviously my, my soul wakes up first, my mind wakes up first and I'm lying there and I'm like, I'm not like most people that can say, oh, it's not late, I can go back to bed. And my, once this thing turns on, brother, I'm out of that bed like in seconds. But what happens is as soon as my mind begins to work, the first thing I'll do is say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus. It's just what I do. It's not, now you don't have to do that. I'm just telling you that the first thing that comes to my mind as soon as my, my being wakes up in the morning is, Good morning, Lord. I want to greet him. I want to start my day with him. Then I go make coffee, generally, because then my body needs to wake up. <laughs> and I don't even, I can't even properly pray yet because I'm still half asleep. I'll make my coffee generally, and then I'll go and I'll, I'll, I'll begin to pray or, or get into the word first and pray, depending on what happens. So Jesus clearly shows us the importance of being an individual that has this consistent relationship with God, always praying consistently. When you do this, seeking, knocking, asking, you can expect to get a result. If it is so in the natural, how much more in the realm of the Spirit when you really have a good Father in heaven? Now, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Because his disciples asked him, they said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Like John taught his disciples, will you teach us to pray? And I believe that Jesus wants to model a very specific type of prayer to us and show us and teach us exactly how to do that. So we're going to take a look at that this morning. Matthew 6, verse number 5. Matthew 6, verse number 5. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, for they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Listen, there's nothing wrong with praying corporately or praying amongst people, but what's most important is what takes place in your secret place or when you're with God alone. What you do in public is not going to be the most important thing. In fact, he talks here about how, you know, if you're going to come before people and impress them with your prayers, you're impressing them and their awe of you is all the reward you're going to get. I always say that, you know, when, when, when you're in the midst of someone that has a prayer life, a real prayer life, generally when they open their mouth, when they begin to pray, they don't have to say much. You can just tell that this person has been with God. This person walks with the Lord because it's like when they open their mouth, it's almost like the prayer meetings that they've been having in private are just a continuation in public. So it's not about what you say, your words, or how impressive you are in prayer. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to show you what's really important. It's not what you do in, in, in the public eye. He says in verse 6, but you... And he's making it very personal. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. 
and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So you must recognize that when you pray in secret, the things you desire will manifest openly in the natural. Everybody will know that you truly have a relationship with God when you seek Him in private. He talks about the secret place. In other words, this is a place where you go to be alone with the Father. This is a place where you separate yourself and go and spend time with God when nobody else is looking. It's an intimate time. Jesus Jesus' disciples want to learn about prayer. John taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus' disciples would see him go up the mountain. The Bible says sometimes that he would be up there all night, come down the next morning. He would see that they would see him go up and, and separate himself. And now he, he's teaching them about prayer and he's teaching them about that private, intimate prayer life and the results that it can produce. It's a powerful thing. All forms of prayer are important and effective. But when Jesus revealed prayer to us, he wanted us to understand that there is an intimate relationship that you can have with the Father. And now he's teaching us how to do it. Amen. I'm so glad you're all very excited. All right. Verse 7. Now, he's going he's gonna to overemphasize the importance of this prayer being relational by what he just is about to say. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The heathens would, would worship false gods and have false religions and have to do specific types of things in order to get some response from the deities or gods that they would serve. They would have statues and they would do little traditional rituals and things like that to try and get a response from heaven. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you come before the Father, you need to talk to Him like He's a real person. You don't have to say something over and over and over and over to get a response from Him. You must be relational with Him. I don't want you to come and, and, and use vain repetitions. Just talk about the things over and over and over and over. I'm not talking about being consistent or persistent with your prayer every single day. I'm talking about coming before Him in your personal prayer time and now making this personal prayer time repetitive. The same thing. The same thing over and over and over. Listen, God can hear you when you pray. He's trying to teach us the importance of keeping it real and relational. That's what he wants to show us. He says, therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And now he's about to teach us how to pray when we're alone with him. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. And he starts, and he's about to teach us what many of us know as the Our Father. Many scholars call this the royal prayer. And you can most certainly take this prayer, the Our Father, and pray it. When I was a young boy in school, we would pray this at our assembly. Always, we would stand in assembly. The whole school would stand up and pray the Our Father. Isn't that awesome? Now, you can do that, and there is most certainly power in it. But I truly believe that Jesus is trying to give us a roadmap 
of how to approach the Father and how we should pray when we approach the Father. Understand something. This is important. This is Him teaching us to have relationship and intimacy with God in our prayer life. This is not the only way that you pray. But I think if Jesus shows us how to pray, we should take note. We should take note. So he starts by saying this, in this manner, this is verse 9, therefore pray, and this is so powerful, he starts by saying, our Father in heaven. He starts by letting the disciples know he's not just my Father, he is our Father. Up until Jesus came, the, the, the Jewish people, the, the children of Israel, they only recognized God as an almighty, an all-sovereign God, and to call him Father was almost too personal. not something that they would really do. And Jesus wants us to understand that, listen, he is our Father, and when you pray to him, you need to approach him that way. In fact, Romans 8.15 says this, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is what the Jewish people call their dads, their father. When I was in Israel, I paid specific attention. I was actually watched this quite a few times, how a child would run by their father and, and you know, because we're in Christendom, you know, you, you, we talk about Abba, and it always to me is God. But to them, that's daddy, that's father, that's my dad. He's my Abba. And so Jesus says here, watch this, our Father in heaven. There's a distinction here. We're not talking about any father. We're not talking about your earthly father. But he is your father, and he is in heaven. He is God, our Father. He is the Lord of all. He is in, the, the, he is in heaven. He is, he, we, we know exactly when we approach our Father in heaven, who we are approaching. Many people will pray this, Heavenly Father, I come to you. Have you heard that? I'm sure many of you pray that way. You'll come and you'll say, Heavenly Father, I come to you. Who's Heavenly Father? He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no other Heavenly Father. You know, it's amazing because you'll find out that in most other religions, the God is never a father. But in our religion, in what we believe, our father is a father. A father who loves us, who cares for us, who wants to draw us to himself. So Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand, yes, I know that because of what you've been taught, that you see him as as almighty and all-powerful. And he's gonna break that down still as we go on in the prayer. But he's saying, listen, it's relational, guys. When you come to pray, come to him, our Father, who art in heaven. And the next part is this. He says, he says in verse number nine, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed there means holy. It means sacred. And I think this is so powerful. Because even though we're approaching God as our Father, we recognize His deity. We recognize His sacredness. We recognize His holiness. Now, when you approach God in personal prayer, when we come to Him, 
The Bible teaches us to approach him with thanksgiving and with praise. Into his courts with thanksgiving, into his gates with praise. We come before him with thanksgiving and we come to him with praise. Now, when we pray the Our Father, Our Father, which art in heaven, or we come to him, Father, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, your son. And then I'm going to say, hallowed be your name. Oh, I can do it like this. Lord, you are almighty. You know all things, Father. I come to you because I worship you this morning. I'm, I'm declaring who he is. I'm declaring his majesty, his holiness. There is nobody like him. And when I approach him, I approach him as my father, but I also know who he is. Hallowed, holy are you, God. There is none besides you, Father. When I come to you, Lord, you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Listen, when you come to God that way, I said it this morning, it's amazing because, because heaven likes to hear God's voice. Heaven likes to hear the Lord declared, the voice of God, the Word of God on the earth. And when you begin to pray, Holy is God. Do you know that in the, in, the, in, in the throne room of heaven, the angels go around and they go, holy, holy. So when you're praying down here on earth and you're going, Lord, you are holy. They're hearing the same sound that's in heaven right here on earth while you're busy praying. You're going, holy God, you are holy. You are mighty. You are all powerful. There is none besides you. Now you begin to pray. You've made it personal, but now you've got heaven's attention. So now there's a shift. Now you're in your personal prayer. There's a shift that's taken place. What are you going to do? The Bible says the next thing we pray is your kingdom come. Your will be done. So when we come to God and we, become, we begin to praise and we begin to worship, now we declare, Father, my life is yours. I desire your rule your kingdom, your majesty in my life. How do we make this practical like this? I'm praying now, I'm, I'm worshiping, I'm spending time with God. I'm, I'm in that hallowed period. Now I switch over to this period over here where I begin to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. How do I do that? Father, I pray this morning for my son Joshua. I pray, God, that your kingdom be manifest in his life. Lord, that he will follow you and serve you as his God, as, as, as his king all the days of his life. I pray, Lord, that his destiny and purpose will follow after the plans and the purposes that you have for him. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But now I'm praying over Joshua. Then I pray for Anastasia. Father, I pray. Lord, as it is with my son Joshua, so let it be with Anastasia. Father, the gifts and the talents that you've given her, let them be for your glory. Let her serve you for your kingdom and for your name's sake, Lord. That's how you pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You pray this over everything that is dear to you. What about yourself? Absolutely. Lord, my will is your will. My plans are your plans. Whatever you desire, I'm going to follow after you. Lord, make the path straight before me. Lord, let, a, let your word and your ways be a lamp in front of me, be before my feet, so that I can follow you all the days of my life. That's how you pray. You don't have to only say, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
You can apply it to your life and, and to, your, your, to, to the things that you care about. As your pastor, this is what I'll pray for you. If you've ever come to the prayer meetings, we do this even here. When we pray for, for, for our nation, when we pray for, for you guys, we'll pray, Lord, let your will be done in their life. I pray for your protection. I pray for your provision. Well, why am I praying that? It's His will to protect you. It's His will to provide for you. It's what He desires for you. What does He say? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His ways, His laws, His, His, His designs, His intentions, and then all these things will be added. So as we approach God and begin to pray, we pray first that His kingdom come, His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is our desire. This is how we pray. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. You see, that's the problem. Oftentimes we ask for things that are not according to His will. So if the Bible says when we ask according to His will, He hears us, what happens when we don't? He's not going to answer, guys. Right? Yes, Pastor Alex. <laughs> now, I've said to him, Lord, I, I, I pray for my kids that they'll follow you. I pray for my, my family, my wife, my, 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 my church, the, 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 the people, God, the staff. I pray for every ministry. I pray for all this stuff. Now I move into the next phase. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, there are some things that we need. I pray this morning that you will provide for us everything we need in this day. The problem with us is that often we're asking for things from down the road. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but Jesus wants us to recognize that you've just been given a new day. You've been given an opportunity and you must have relationship with him right now. The Bible teaches us that it says this. It says in Matthew 6:34, "Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Just ask the Lord to provide for you today. Just ask him to give you favor. Everybody say favor. I want you to know that if you are a blood-bought believer, you can, you can know that the favor, the hand of God is on you. If you are submitted to His will, if when you prayed, God, I desire your ways and your will to be in my life, you can confidently and boldly come before Him and say, Father, I seek first the kingdom. I seek first your ways, but you know what I need, Lord. I need, I need provision today. I need breakthrough today. Lord, I need a new job. Can you provide for me a new job, Father? in the name of Jesus and you begin to pray you begin to ask for what it is that you need and you can do this every day you should do this every day Lord I need your hand to be upon me I need your protection I need your favor and you pray and you ask the Lord what you need for that day why this day because he wants you to come back tomorrow and do it again and besides you don't even know if tomorrow will be there but this day has begun. 
a new chance, a new opportunity. You messed up yesterday, but today's a new beginning. His mercies are new every day. You can start this day off right. Amen. I really believe Jesus is, is, is intentional about showing us relationship. Today, intimacy, now. The kingdom, now. Your will, now, Lord. Provision, today, God. So we say, give us this day our daily bread. Then he says this in verse number 12, Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's interesting because if you look the word debts up in the Greek, it literally means what you owe. Debts, forgive me for what I owe. So I was looking at this and there's like, there's nothing here about sin. So I looked at Luke 11 verse 4 where he's saying the same thing. And Luke writes it like this. And forgive us our sins... But watch the second part. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So there's no question that sin is a debt. So we have to ask him for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who have indebted us or those who have sinned against us. But you must understand that there that there is a wage. The wages of sin is death. There is a cost. Sin and it becomes a debt. And, and the Bible clearly tells us that, listen, when we approach God, watch this now, every day, relationally, daily, repentance is part of it. We've now declared God's goodness. We've, we've asked Him for some things. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, but I want you to understand there is a condition to getting the breakthroughs, to getting what you're asking for. You must first ask for forgiveness so that there is no debt against you. Are you with me? Confess your trespasses, confess your sins to God and He will forgive you. He is good and just, He will forgive us, amen? So we ask for forgiveness, but He says this, He says, he says this, it's so powerful. It's hard, but it's powerful. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, with the level and degree that you forgive, you will be forgiven. Not too many amens there, because this is a difficult thing. This is the bait of Satan, to get us to become offended and to get upset and to get... And listen, life is real, guys. I know what it's like. We all have experienced it. But the question is, will you take the bait or won't you? And Jesus is teaching us relationship. He's teaching us how to pray, how to be in relationship with God. And he's saying, listen, you need to ask for forgiveness, but understand that there is a condition to your forgiveness. How will you forgive? If you forgive, you will be forgiven. In fact, at the end of this prayer, Jesus starts by saying this. Watch this. We're going to quickly jump a few verses to the end of this royal prayer. In verse 14, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Boom. 
whoa, <laughs> like this is a heavy one. You see, I think, again, there's an emphasis on relationship. We need to truly understand and make God our heavenly father. Why? Because in this area where most of us at some point in our walk with him will struggle, we can come before him and be real. Not like this. Lord, I forgive John. And then walk out the room, you know, that John, you know, just can't, you know. You know what I'm saying? I can come before him and I can say, Lord, I need you to forgive me my sins. My heart is it's harboring some stuff, God. But Lord, I need to forgive John. So I, I make a decision this morning. I'm going to forgive him for what he did. Listen, he's done nothing, okay? So just go easy on John. Please, nobody send him hate mail. Okay, we like Pastor John. He's wonderful, okay? So, so, you know, but you get real. You say, Lord, you know, I need your forgiveness. I, 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 I know my heart isn't right. Father, but I choose this morning, even though he hurt me, even though he said those things or did those things or whatever it is, I release him. I might still be harboring something. It might still be there because in the reality, I'm still hurting. But I, but I constantly come back. And tomorrow morning when I have to start again, if I still feel there's something there, I'm going to bring it before him again. And I'm going to say, Lord, I know yesterday I spoke to you about John, but my heart's still not quite right, God. And I choose to humble myself. Everybody say, humble myself. Come on, say that again. Let me tell you something, guys. The keys to the anointing, the keys to walking in the presence and power of God is humility. There is nothing like humility. There is nothing like swallowing that pill of humility. What is it? Is it shameful? Is it weak? No. It's recognizing that God is all sovereign, that God is the beginning and the end. He is all powerful and that you trust in Him totally, completely, 100%. Lord, I can't forgive. I struggle to forgive, but you have forgiven me. So I choose to forgive. I, Lord, I make a decision, a declaration to forgive. And He will take your heart and He will give you a new heart. Even in the midst of your pain or your hurt or your anger or whatever it is that you're dealing with. Sometimes God is my witness. I don't know how it is I was able to forgive. But I can honestly say there's nothing left of that pain. I am free. And the best part is I'm forgiven because I forgave. See, the Lord's prayer is all about relationship and intimacy with God. Go into the secret place. So he's modeled for us how to pray when we're alone with God. Yes, we can say the prayer. It's powerful. But when we get into that intimacy with him and not make it just a tradition or, you know, something that we have to say in that specific order, that specific way, I, I still do it. We still do it sometimes because it's, it's beautiful and it's his words. But when I pray, I pray according to this model. So now we've said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. He goes on and he says this in verse 13, Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us 
from the evil one. The first thing I have to tell you, and this is so important, God will not tempt you. This is not saying that, Lord, don't tempt me. It's saying, Lord, don't allow the enemy to tempt me. In fact, James 1.13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Why? Because there's no evil in him, guys. He would not want to ensnare you or trap you. That's evil intent. Are you with me? But what he's saying here is, listen, Lord, when you pray, Lord, do not allow, do not allow me to be led into a situation, into a trap. Father, protect me from the enemy. So when I'm praying, and I want to pray this. This is how I pray. Lord, I pray. I'm going to start with myself. Father, I pray this morning against every fiery dart, every plan and strategy of the enemy. Lord, I come against it in the name of Jesus. This is where spiritual warfare begins. I'm going to teach you more about this, but I'm beginning to pray. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will not allow me to, 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 to hear the words that the enemy has spoken against me, to be influenced or, or to be affected by any strategy or trap of the enemy. Lord, I pray that you lead me, that you help me, that you protect me, that you surround me. I pray for my daughter. I pray for my wife, God. Protect them, Lord. If you may know an area where your family struggles, your wife struggles, your, your son struggles, your husband struggles, pray against that trap that the enemy would try and put there. Oh, but I can't do that. You know, Pastor Alex, I can't take authority. You can. And you must. And I'll teach you that. So he tells us that we must, you know, Lord, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the enemy. Lord, don't allow us to go down that path where we get attacked by the devil, where he ensnares us, where he attacks us. The enemy knows your weaknesses, guys. He's been with you however many years you are old. He's been around watching you, observing you. Knows what gets you angry. Knows what causes you to sin. So when you pray, you ask the Lord, Lord, don't let me, don't let me be led into that trap. Amen. And once you have done your warfare, you end your prayer off. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Forever. So the way you start, Lord, you are holy, is sort of how you finish. But I love the end because it's almost like the end is a build of recognition that he, it's all his power. He is the one who all the glory belongs Yours is the power. Yours is the glory, Father. Forever I will trust you. Forever I will follow you. So we don't just go, these are all the things I want, amen. <laughs> okay? Jesus said, <laughs> when you end off, end, up, end off acknowledging who it is you've just asked all these things of, who it is that you've asked to protect you, who it is that you've asked to provide for you, who it is that you've asked and declared goodness about, end off that same way 
And you will see how your relationship with God will go from strength to strength, from faith to faith, and from glory to glory. You will grow in intimacy with God. Now, again, there's much to say about prayer. We've just scratched the surface. But Jesus intentionally taught his disciples about personal, intimate prayer and gave us this roadmap on how to do it. Well, I don't know how to pray. Now you do. You are now without excuse. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you so much that you love us so intentionally, purposefully, that you knew us long before we were even formed in our mother's womb, that you sanctified us and, and separated us with a purpose and a plan. And Jesus came and taught us how to have an intimate prayer life and relationship with you. Lord, we are so grateful that we can approach you as our Abba, as our Heavenly Father. So grateful. And we just love you so much, Lord. I want to ask you, if you've come this morning to this place and your life is not right with God, listen, relationship starts when you make it right. If you've never had a true relationship with the Lord and today you say, Pastor Alex, I've heard this. I've never been able to pray. Never been able to pray like this. The only time I've ever really prayed is when I'm in trouble. But today I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to have this relationship with the Father. If that's you and you say, today I want to give my life to Jesus, quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you so much, young lady. Anybody else say, Pastor, include me this morning in this prayer and I'll include you. Don't be afraid. Quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. If you, God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord. I even knew, I see that hand, thank you. I knew how to pray in the past, but, but I've lost my way so much. I, I feel like God doesn't even hear me anymore. But this morning, I can feel him pulling at my heart and I wanna come back. I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus. Quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you as well. I can include you in this prayer. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Today I'm coming back to Jesus. Quickly slip your hand up and I'll include you in the prayer. Don't be afraid. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Can I ask you, if you raised your hand, God bless you. Don't be afraid. Quickly get out of your chair. Come to the front. I want to pray for you personally. Don't be afraid. Many of you raised your hand up. Don't be afraid. Come quickly. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. God bless you guys. So wonderful. If you raise your hand, don't stay in your seat. Come quickly. Come quickly. We want to include you in this prayer this morning. Amen. Amen. The Lord has, has really grabbed a hold of some of you this morning. Amen. He's really got you, boy. He's got your heart. Amen. You must understand that coming forward like this 
is a declaration. You are not ashamed to declare Him before men. And it's a powerful thing. But I want you to understand something this morning, that this is something that you decide with your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. You have to really truly believe and make a decision to make Him the Lord of your life. And that's what salvation is. It's not just a decision and then we go back to doing what we did yesterday. This is a new start. There's a beautiful story in the Scriptures about the prodigal son. The prodigal son who goes away from the father and when he comes back after really messing up, the father is waiting for him. And I believe that there are prodigals here this morning. There are people here, some of you that have come forward, this is your prodigal moment. And I want you to know that he is waiting with open arms to receive you this morning. But we're going to pray this prayer, but guys, pray it from your heart. Mean it from your heart and watch what God will do. Church, can we all pray with them this morning? Let's stretch our hands out towards them, but you guys in the front, pray with me. Let's say, Father, I come to you this morning. Today, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I believe Jesus died and rose again. He is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Now just stretch your hands out towards them. Father, just fill them this morning. Renew them this morning. Strengthen them this morning. Make them whole, Lord, this morning. It's a new beginning for you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this young man. What an amazing, amazing decision. Walk with them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you guys take a look to your left, there's Pastor John over there. And if I can just ask you to follow him out, there's a counselor behind you. We just want to meet you and pray with you and just give you some, some, some information that can help you in this journey. Just follow him out. Let's give him a big God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Amen. All right. Also, just want to let you know that we'll be baptizing at the end of the service. As you know, every week we do baptism. So if you're sitting there and you're wondering, should I get baptized? If you're asking the question, the answer is yes. If you have given your life to Jesus, you should get baptized. If you look at the book of Acts, there was no time to wait for baptism. It was a declaration of their agreement to be saved. Immediately, when, when Peter was at Cornelius' house, once the Holy Spirit fell on them, he said, we can't deny these guys baptism. So baptism is so important. So if you haven't been baptized, don't worry. We have t-shirts, we have towels, we have shorts, we have everything. You can still go home in your normal clothes and get baptized this morning. Make the declaration. Amen. Let me pray for you and bless you and come back next week as we go further and deeper into the subject of prayer. Father, we honor you, love you, worship and adore you. We are so grateful for what you have done. Lord, thank you for sending your son to not only die for us, but also model for us what relationship with you can really be like. 
We are so blessed. Jesus said that the prophets of old only wished for what we have. And I'm so grateful for it that we can love you and follow you. The veil has been torn. We can come into your presence and seek you. We are blessed. Now I pray, Father, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each and every one as they leave this place. We love you. We worship and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. And don't forget to watch the Panthers beat the Bruins tonight. Amen.